0: Today's podcast is brought to you by Dell Expert Network. Dell's Partner Outreach Program is now available to Dell Expert Network members. One of Dell's Partner Outreach Managers can come out on site and visit with you to demo the latest laptops and desktops, discuss any upcoming projects, make recommendations, and provide solutions to keep you and your customers on the cutting edge of technology. To learn more about the program, please visit www.dell.com forward slash outreach and mention Dell Expert Network in the professional association field as you fill out the registration. You're entering the MSP Zone, a podcast for the managed services community, covering news, analysis, and interviews from around the globe. Elevate your MSP game by staying in the MSP Zone. And now, your host, Charles Weaver. Mergers and acquisitions. That's what we're talking about today. Um, we did a, a little podcast about this uh, not too long ago, but, uh, you know, every day I uh, communicate with tons of MSPs and every communication, whether it's a phone call, an email, a web meeting, it's a Spark for an idea, right? It's a problem. It's a challenge. It's a uh, something they're trying to fix, and it typically is something that has um, been seen before, right? It's it's not new. Um, we talk a lot about you know the things that we see as, as issues in the managed services market are not new. Typically, some of sometimes they are, but for the most but most part, the majority of these issues that MSPs bring up are. Not new things. They have, and that's a good thing, because that means that if the problem has been addressed before, we can solve it much more quickly because there's a known solution to it, right? Um, but nevertheless, uh, we we did something about mergers and acquisitions a little while ago, and it, and it came up again in a topic conversation. And uh, this is this is not just one. Conversation. This is many conversations, and I will be. Uh, I beg your indulgence and your your forgiveness in advance because I don't mean this to, to apply to any one person. I actually know a lot of MSPs who are um, in an acquisitive mode, shall we say. That's my term. They're looking to buy, they're on the prowl to buy. And I come across this a lot, and I know why it's happening, and we've talked about why it's happening here. Um, But separate from why it's happening, I I would like to talk about the, the other why questions, which are related to kind of why would you do this in the first place, right? Not why is it happening, but why would you want to go through this process, both as a buyer and as a seller? And that's what I intend to do today is, is kind of break down some kind of, I would call them fundamentals, the basics of, of mergers and acquisitions from a buy side standpoint, from a sell side standpoint, and then generally speaking, uh, specific to the managed services profession, uh, talk about MA best practices and what you may want to consider if you are thinking about a merger or acquisition or selling in the near future. And let's face it. I mean, everybody's a buyer until they're a seller. And that's there's always someone bigger out there, right? So this should apply to everybody. Everybody, you know, and unless you're a publicly traded company, um, which vast majority of companies on the planet are not, right? They're privately held, then mergers and acquisitions are are probably the only uh or the best way to um, deal with growth, to deal with um, liquidity events, retirement events, deal with, um, you know, unplanned um, events in your business, maybe a, a personal tragedy, maybe a, um, you know, uh, m- many things that could come up that would require you to want to change, um, change tack in your business. Um, we'll talk about all that. So let's just dive right in. And <clears throat> Give some context. So, right, I I come across MSPs. You guys call in, you email in, and you say something along the um, along the lines of this: Charles, you, you know, you, you you seem like um, you're the person to talk to at MSP Alliance. Um, looks like you guys have a lot of members. Um, we're such and such MSP, and we're looking to buy. So, if you know of any MSPs that are interested in selling keep me in mind. And that's a very very common request, a very common conversation that I have. By the way, that stack of physical and virtual business cards is like a mile wide. Right? I I've, I've, I've got I've got thou- probably more realistically hundreds of MSP business owners who are in an acquisitive mode and want our help in identifying sellers and I typically tell them you know I I appreciate that you know I I, I first of all say you know you're you're not the first person to ask this question and second th- th- there's a very very long line of people ahead of you even if I were to be doing that which I don't um you know it, it would be impractical to to um to, to do what you request. And, but it begs the larger question. Why are so many MSPs out there looking to buy? Well, that's like, that gets us into the buy side best practices. Um, and the, the, the first thing that I would say is um, it's motive. Uh, rationale, business rationale. I call it motive, but the same thing. Corporate objectives. Why are you doing this? If you're, and I, I come across this all the time, and it reminds me of, of, um, yeah, people in, in high school when they're trying to gain weight, right? They're going out for wrestling or football or some sport, and and they're they're thin, they're scrawny, they have no muscles, and what they they want they want to bulk up, right? They want to bulk up fast. And so they, they come up with crazy schemes to do that. Most of the times, it's not healthy because they're not doing it under proper supervision, but that's the analogy I'm using here. Um, and I understand it doesn't apply to everybody, but I, I'm talking about the ones that are, that are kind of premature acquirers. Uh, I, I, I use that term to, to say that they're not prepared or, or haven't thought through fully the things that are going to be required uh, of them to do any deal, one, much less multiple deals. Um, so motive is, a, is I would start with motive. What is it that you are trying to solve? If it's, if it's sheer bulk, if it's growth, if, if you want to grow your top-line revenue, top-line managed services revenue specifically, I would say, think again, think long and hard about why you're doing that. Because I have never seen, I've never come across an MSP that successfully grew their managed services practice purely or significantly through acquisition. It may for a time, and I, I, I know some of you are saying, "Well, but but there has been these examples out there," and I'm not going to use examples um, because uh, I'm going to I'm going to give you some cold hard analysis of those well known examples that I'm not going to talk about, but you know that they're out there. I've written about them. Those grow by acquisition endeavors. I'm not aware of one that has been truly successful, uh, according to a variety of metrics. Most of them disintegrate. Customers peel off. No, no. When when I say that they don't, they don't have success. What I'm what I'm meaning is I'm not counting that based off of the number of successful deals you close. All right, that's not a measure of success. A an M&A shop, a private equity shop, a venture capital, a private a, a bank that has an M&A division to it does use that notch on their belt as a metric of success. How many M&A deals have you done? That would be a legitimate question. That would not be a legitimate question for an MSP to ask of, of themselves. How many MA deals have you done? As in, the more MA deals you've done, the more the, the the better you are as an MSP. Completely untrue. It just means you know how to sell. It just means you know how to close a deal and get someone else to accept some money to, to sell their, their their company, their, their equity or their, their assets. And so if you, if you accept that premise, then there, there must be another metric to success. And the metric to success that I reuse is what happens after the deal is closed? What happens to those customers? What happens to those employees of the company you bought? What happens to the, to the owners, the key stakeholders? All of those things matter. They are things to be measured, And if you take a company that has bought a a significant number of MSPs and yet they have lost a great amount of the customers that came along with those acquisitions, I would say that that has not been a particularly successful endeavor. Now, you have to have your own motive. You have to have your own corporate reasoning for why you're doing this as a buyer. Number one. Number two, this is and this really irks me because this is this is the um the layaway effect, right? I, I I when I did MA a long time ago, I I I came across this a lot. And that is the the buyer that is out there shopping for a Ferrari, all right, a high ticket item, and thinks that he's got a pressure, we used to call a fire sale, right? Someone who is a motivated seller uh, in other parlance. Someone who wants to get rid of their company fast. And because they're highly motivated for whatever reason, um, th- the buyer thinks they will be willing to take less. And, and that typically comes with the inevitable, you're so ugly, Right, I I use this term a lot because it's like dating. You're the, the the buyer wants to date the seller, or get married, or whatever analogy you want to come up with. And the buyer approaches the seller and says, "Gee, I'd like to I'd like to date you, but you're 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 terrifically ugly. You're, you're you've got a nasty personality. You, you, there's nothing appealing about you. You smell. You're you're dressed poorly." um your teeth are crooked and falling out and your eyes are crossed and oh my god you're you're just the ugliest thing on the planet but i'd still like to take you out but i'm not gonna i'm not gonna pay for much You're, you're you're actually gonna pay me or you know i'm gonna pay much much less for the privilege of taking you out that's what i come across a lot right so it's a tactic i get it it's a it's a buyer tactic it's to be expected, but it often accompanies this funding issue and and I don't know if it's a if it's a re, if it's a practice because they don't have the funding lined up or it's a practice just because they've been taught that. i I, I don't quite know that, but I, I would say that there's a certain number of cases where this tactic has been employed where the the buyer, is trying to do a deal or typically you see this in they're trying to do multiple deals, right? They got multiple irons in the fire and they don't know who's gonna close first, but they don't have money to do all of them. Sometimes they don't even have money to do any of them. And what they're trying to do is line up one or, or several sellers to take that, package it up and take it to a lender, right? It could be a bank, it could be a private individual, it could be a, a, a PE firm, a private equity firm, whatever. the The buyer employs that tactic to 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 not only get the the, the best price they can, which I, I accept as a tactic. I don't think it's a particularly successful one, but it's a tactic nonetheless. And it's a stalling tactic as well, which it it is designed to. To keep the, the seller on the the hook to buy time for the, the buyer to get their funding in, in line, and that will also correspond with a you know typically well below market um, offer that includes a very very low amount of money down right uh, the the layaway effect right which is if you went into a, that Ferrari dealership and you said, "Yeah, I'd like to buy this, um, but you know what? I'm going to I'm going to pay for it over time and I'm going to I'm going to give you I'm going to give you 10% of the total value of the car and I'm going to pay the rest to you if the Ferrari performs the way I think it's going to perform. The way I think it should perform. But if it doesn't, then I'm only going to pay you 50% of the value of this Ferrari. All right? We see a lot of that. And that typically is um, extraordinarily risk-averse buyer, potentially also coupled with a buyer who is uh, light in the pocketbook. They don't have the money to do a deal. Um, and And... Sometimes—I think this is actually a a fairly significant Um, thing—I come across a lot of buyers who, they themselves, they they may have a stake horse, right? Um, They may have someone staking them. If you don't know what that means, go watch um, um, The Hustler with Paul Newman about Fast Eddie Felsen, the pool shark, right? Someone stakes him, someone who bankrolls the person to go out and do the thing, right? Um, there, there's a lot of MSPs who think that they have a or may actually have a stake horse, or have someone staking them, I should say, and they think, "Wow, I, I've got someone who's willing to give me money to go buy companies. Fantastic! I must be the best MSP on the planet." No. Those two things have nothing to do with one another, nothing at all. I mean, qu- quite the opposite. There's no correlation between how good you are as an MSP and someone willing to give you money. You would think that there should be, but I got to tell you, my faith in the, in the lending business is, is, uh, is fixed uh, there, there's there's a, there's not a lot of MSP competence when it comes to lenders who have real domain expertise and knowledge in managed services. Some exist, a few, like former MSP operators, to be sure. But by and large, no, it doesn't happen. Um, so just because you have the ability to get access to money does not mean that you have the capability to integrate... One or even multiple MSP acquisitions. How are you going to integrate multiple RMM platforms, ticketing platforms, backup platforms, multiple SIM, SOC as a service, antivirus, firewalls, data centers, virtualization platforms, basic just customer service help desk? methodologies different customers who have been sold different things on different contract pieces of paper different SLAs potentially right there's a there's a multitude of things that you need to consider and and as a as a buyer evaluating a seller I have come across very few MSP buyers who do a really good job of due diligence, technical due diligence. Now, they will do a fantastic job at financial due diligence. And typically they'll they'll have someone on the outside like an may have an M&A broker, they may have a banker, they may have an accountant who does it, they may have that expertise internally rare, but it does happen. But that's not the whole story. That That's, that's v- very little. In fact, if your prowess in doing financial due diligence is the only thing that you have as a buyer, you are missing a lot of that company that you are going to be buying from a technical standpoint. Now, if, if you say, I'm going to do the financial due diligence, I'm going to let I'm going to let our director of managed services figure out the rest. That That's unfair to, to that person and to the entire organization because that's not a good practice. Someone needs to own the process of buying another MSP from the buy side, and it has to encompass both financial, corporate, and technical. And if you don't have all three of those things checked off, and I mean squared away, checked off, done properly, either internally or externally, you are missing out. The corporate is the, is the motive I talked about. The, the, the funding is the financial side of it. And, and the integration, th- th- there's a due diligence pre-closing that you definitely have to, to think about, but, but then there's the having a plan on what to do with the thing that you're buying and how you're going to integrate it. And I come across so many MSPs on the buy side who, who they acquire something and then they they and it typically comes up if you're wondering how the heck do you know about this, Charles? I I see it because in the MSP Verify process we see how companies you know deliver managed services. That's what we do, and so we will typically see a buyer who says, well, we we bought this company. How do we how do we integrate it? And we'll say, well, let's let's take what you've got, what you guys have already done, and then let's take what the the company that you just acquired, and let's let's map the controls. Let's start there. Is there something that you do better than they do? And and, and it almost you know it comes down to very granular work, not just to, you know who who's got the better RMM platform. It, it almost never is about that. Um. But it comes down to policies, procedures, controls. How does one company do, do a particular thing compared to another company? And I've seen some where the, 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 these are the better deals, where the buyer says, well, I'm buying a company that actually does one or several things much better than we do. And we're going to inherit that, that, um, that improved process. Now, those are fantastic deals because when when you start to not just grow your top line, hopefully, um, and have accretive financial growth, but if but if you actually gain technical improvement through an acquisition, those are fantastic deals because you, the 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 acquisition itself is checking multiple boxes for um, improvement, as, you know, as an organization. But I just come across a lot of companies who who don't feel comfortable beyond the financial due diligence in looking at the 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 companies they they've acquired. And you know, they, they it it typically comes out in in the, the certification process where they they finally have a, a set of controls, they have a set of policies and procedures that are documented, and then they can actually make a very good comparison to the company that they um They acquired or are about to acquire. Let's move on to the sell side. We talked about the buyers. Now let's talk about the the sellers. Seller best practices, Um, financials, right? The the uh, long long longtime member of the MSP Alliance, uh, an MSP um, guru. Uh, I would call him a guru, a guy named Michael Corey. He, he used to run a, a shop called um, Entirety. Now he's um, with License Fortress. And and Michael, you know, had really great advice for, for MSPs who were wanting to sell, which is if you want to sell in three years, start planning today. And that would that would like always get gasps in the audience. Well, what do you mean? I want to sell next week. It doesn't work like that. It's not, it's not the type of thing where you put a house up for sale and then it, it moves, you know, in 30 days. Selling a, a company, any company, but particularly an MSP practice, takes time. Your financials are a story of your company. And 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 Michael used to say I should call him Dr. Corey because he, he has his doctorate now. Dr. Corey would say you need three years minimum of financials that tell a, a, a good story that you want to tell, right? So if you've been on a downturn, right, last three years, last trailing um, three years of financials tell a story of, of steady year-over-year decline, guess what? You're not going to be in a strong negotiating position when you go to sell if, if that's your story. So if, if you're thinking, hey, maybe I should sell now versus maybe we should pay a little bit more attention to the business and wait another couple of years, maybe another three years, and start to pull the nose up, make some changes, run the company differently, and then have a track record of a couple of years behind you that show growth, actual growth, or some other metric of, the, of uh, positivity, that will bring you into a much better negotiating position when that buyer starts to do the, you know, you're so ugly, but I want to, I still want to date you, act. So, financials number one, number two, what I talked about on the on the buy side, process documentation. Um, if you have your process documented, your managed services delivery process documented, you will be in a far better position to negotiate and to actually defend why you're not ugly as an MSP um, when that argument is, is eventually made. These are things such as, look, we have really good metrics, because, because if, if you have process documentation, that'll get you to the third thing, which is it'll get you metrics, numbers, that numbers that you can give to a p- potential buyer to say, this is what makes us good. And I'm not just talking about financials. F- f- financial numbers and, and, and health is, are one thing. There's a completely separate set of metrics that you also want, which are non-financial, which are related to your managed services, your technical. It could be the number of tickets you close. It could be the... Um, the, the number of endpoints that you manage with a certain number of, of headcount, right? Those would be really valuable things. For example, one level one technician can effectively handle these many tickets in a week or in a day, and that relates to these many endpoints or, or managed customers. That's a really good metric. Because now a buyer can say, "Well, wow, I, I can." They can start to do calculations, right? They can even start to say, "If if if you have that type of data, wow, they've actually got a higher utilization. Their their technicians are more efficient because they can touch and manage more endpoints and more tickets in a given period than we do, right? You see how that psychologically starts to work on." You know, if it if it's the other way around, then maybe it won't work to your advantage. But you get what I'm saying. The more data you have, the better. Which to wrap this whole thing up, talking about general MA best practices, just to summarize, you gotta have a company goal. You gotta have a reason for why you're doing it. In my humble experience, the things that I have seen over the years, the deals that I have seen be successful, and, that, that, and I say successful, meaning they've lasted, as defined by the company, the the resulting entity did not hemorrhage customers or employees, but actually continued to grow. Those deals, by the way, they're few and far between, because I don't know. I th- I think that pe- I think people. And it could be because they have they've got M and A guidance that is telling them no 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 you got to do you got to do dozens of these things to be successful. I, I don't know if there's a certain amount of that you know kind of um, ego in there M- maybe uh, maybe not. But the the deals that I have seen that I characterize as a successful M and A deal in managed services almost always are one off deals. Maybe a few. But they're they're strategic. They're the kind they're the kind of deals that double the size of the company. They're the, they're the, they're they're not like doing ten deals in a year. Like I I've, people like literally like to brag about how many deals have you done last year? I've done these many deals last year. Well, good for you. H- how many customers did you keep? How many employees did you keep? How much money did it cost you to do those ten deals? All right. They don't really ever talk about those metrics. But the, the deals that I've seen are the deals where you take one company and they find a good match, almost always as, as an equal size, some other entity, and it brings completely new customers, new skill sets, new, new technical expertise, new markets, new service capabilities, almost always something new is brought together meaning they're not complete overlaps meaning they're not growing through acquisition but the resulting entity almost always is stronger they they if they don't double in size they come close to it right they they really take a a, a leap from where they were individually to where they are as a, as a combined entity are is a huge difference. Plus, they've got at least one, typically multiple new characteristics in the organization, like I said. They've got a new technical service capability, which allows them to enter a new market or allows them to um, sell new services to the existing um, install base for the one side and the same for the other side. Those are great deals where the the entire combined managed services install base can be sold something new as a result of that combination. That doesn't happen very frequently. But when it does, it's a beautiful thing to witness. And by the way, I think this that type of thing could happen a lot more. I really do. Like, I, I think if you took even two identical MSPs, did the same exact thing, but one MSP has one customer base and, and the other MSP has a completely separate MSP base, typically, typically not always, but typically it also includes a different geography, right? Those are really fantastic deals to, to look at because that will bring true accretive growth to the resulting entity. And in and, and wrapping this up, you, you got to have an outcome measurement, meaning you've got to be able to measure the success of the deal. And I don't mean just a financial measurement because I know that the, the financial, you know, the accountants will, will have that metric. But you also have to have that from many other elements. You know, cu- I've, I've mentioned a few of them here. Customers. Did you keep customers? Did you did you lose customers as a result of the combination? So I'm talking post-closing. Are you measuring things to measure the success of the deal? Because it could have been otherwise a great deal, poorly executed. I know that's a tough thing to, to think about, but we are humans and we all make mistakes. You could have the textbook perfect MA deal and have it blow up or or have it be less optimal than it could have been because of a mistake and if you look at you know every M&A deal ought to be examined you know examined for what happened that went well and what did what what did you not do as well as you could have so that's my little M&A best practices for the MSP market I hope I hope you learned something from it um I, I actually learn a lot about, you know, th- these deals because I, I see them now from a very different perspective, you know, from the, from the certification standpoint of looking at buyer or seller. And and t- typically happens for both, but I see a lot on the buy side where they, they acquire a company and they start to, to integrate. And the integration, I mean, it always involves the, you know, if they're in an MSP Verify or getting a SOC 2, the, then we see that very upfront and close and personal, and it, it's a very interesting um, thing to observe because it's it's a non financial um, side of the business that that we pay a lot of attention to. That we you know I think that if if you're wanting to grow, think about that as a as a metric for how you're going to really make an acquisition successful. And if you're on the sell side, you should have the same thing because. I'm assuming you want to be part of a successful acquisition, right? You don't want to see the thing that you worked hard for evaporate the moment you you sell. I mean, most people don't want to see that. But anyway, um, M&A is a good thing. It's a very necessary thing in our sector, but it needs to be done correctly. It needs to be done in the right way following the right motives and the right sequence and the right integration and all that. If you do those things, it can work and it can do incredible things for your MSP practice. Until next time. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed today's episode, please give us a like. Make sure you are subscribed to the podcast so you will get notified when future episodes are released. We will see you next time in the MSP Zone.